0: Good morning, or perhaps good afternoon, or maybe even good evening to you. My name is Michael Tolercio. I'm the pastoral intern of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and you're joining us for day 355, our daily walk through the Word with Jesus, one chapter per day. It's a three-year plan, and you can tell from the day number that we're getting pretty close to being about a third of the way in. Uh, We have 11 days to go until we're there, Um, 11 days to the new year. And actually just a couple until Christmas Day. It's an exciting season. It's a time uh, for the light to shine in the darkness. And interestingly, in today's passage, we're going to have some darkness on display. Darkness in the days of Israel. And that's actually perfectly timed if we think about our recent study in Judges uh, with Samson and him having his eyes put out. For his rebellion against the Lord and the consequences of how he he chose to live, even as one of Israel's judges, uh, he he went blind, and so he's in the dark. And what we're going to be reading about today is beginning a picture of some darkness that almost seems to increase throughout the remainder of this book of Judges. But we're in Judges seventeen this morning, and we're going to read it in just a moment. But before we do, let's ask the Lord's blessing that He would shine light on us as we read about the darkness in this morning's chapter of Scripture. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us this word in the book of Judges. Thank you that you're patient with us, that you've given this word to us so that we wouldn't become like the people that we're gonna read about this morning, Lord. People groping around, maybe maybe not even trying to find where they are in the darkness but people who are in it nonetheless. We pray, Father, that you would shine your light on us this morning and in this season especially, Lord, the light of Jesus. Help us to see him clearly in this text. Help us to worship him in our hearts. Help us to live in a way that is honoring to him, Lord, today and into the future. For his glory, for his honor, for his praise, we pray. Amen. We're looking at Judges chapter 17. There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The one thousand one hundred pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse, and also spoke it in my ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. And he restored the one thousand one hundred pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith, who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and household gods and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he sojourned, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said to him, Stay with me, and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, and a suit of clothes, and your living. And the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons." and Micah ordained the levite and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah then Micah said now i know that the lord will prosper me because i have a levite as priest the shocking thing about this passage is that on the surface it seems like this man micah is very blessed he has his own levite as priest By the time we get to the end of the passage, he has received money from his mother for a seeming good deed of confessing a sin to her, where he stole this 1,100 pieces of silver, and she rewards him. And he seems to have a family life. He has sons, and he has everything all together. He's being blessed by the Lord, as he says at the end. I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as priest. Or so, it seems. In his eyes, his life is coming together swimmingly, as they say. Although I don't know why they say that, because this has nothing to do with swimming. But everything seems to be working out for this man, Micah. And for the Levite, who he meets and brings into his home. Except for the fact that... Everyone is doing what is right in his own eyes and not what is right in the Lord's eyes. And we know, as we mentioned earlier, that in Samson's day, he too did what was right in his own eyes. Back in chapter 14, he chose a wife for himself because she was right in his eyes. And that led to him having his eyes put out. So this statement here in verse 6, that everyone is doing what is right in his own eyes in this day, is actually a very troubling statement. And it's joined nicely with the beginning of verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel. Because there's no true king leading God's people to know God's heart and to deliver God's people from the wickedness around them, the people are just doing what is right in their own eyes, and it's leading to some very troubling circumstances not only with Samson, but with this family as well. We're going to read more about this man, Micah, and the Levite living with him in, in tomorrow's uh, look at chapter 18. But before that, let's notice a few things about what's going on here. Now, perhaps you noticed, as we just jump into this passage, in verse verse 1 and 2, there's this man from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Micah. So this is a man from the people... Group of Ephraim, not from the tribe of Levi, where the priests are allowed to be uh, ordained. They are only allowed to come from the tribe of Levi, Levites and priests. Uh, here's a man uh, from from the hill country of Ephraim, named Micah, and he goes to his mother and he seems to confess that he's done something wrong by saying the 1,100 pieces of silver, whatever this is about. We're not exactly sure uh, what he's referring to here, but just getting dropped right into this this situation. He seems to be confessing that he stole money from his mom and his mother is excited and dedicates the money, the 1,100 pieces of silver, she says in verse 3, I dedicate the silver to the Lord. So again, it seems like there's a lot of good happening here, but in reality, we just see that nothing is of that sort. The, the mother who dedicates the silver to the Lord actually is doesn't really know who the Lord is because she takes it and she only takes 200 of these uh, pieces of silver rather than the whole thing like she suggests she's going to. So she doesn't even take the whole amount. She takes 200 silver pieces and gives it to the silversmith to make false gods, to make an, a, what the Lord would call an abomination. We know from Exodus chapter 20, the second commandment, and elsewhere that the Lord wanted his people never to create any graven images and worship them. But here, here we're seeing exactly that. And Micah seems content with that. I wonder, and this is just speculation. I was reading this passage with, with my wife, Marissa. And we, we were just wondering if maybe this man, Micah, kind of knew his mom and knew that if he kept this money for some time and then went to restore it, if he didn't know that she might give him a portion of it and almost as if he was kind of greedily seeking for this this money. And what he does with it is nothing less than uh, selfish because he doesn't use it to bless the Lord. He uses it to create a false deity and then he sets it up in his house, verse 4, the end of verse 4. And he has a shrine, so he's using it for the purpose of worship. He makes an ephod, which is a kind of a, a part of the outfit that the priest would wear in Moses' day. And he has these household gods. He ordains one of his sons to become priest. And we already know he's not from the tribe of Levi. So not only is the son not actually authorized to be a priest, but he's authorizing this son of his, quote unquote, to be a, authorizing him to be a priest for himself. Not as the Levites were meant to be for the whole of Israel, but for his own household. So this is a very selfish man with a selfish mother who's doing what is right in his own eyes. And the the really sad and troubling thing about this passage is what we read next. Because whereas you see Micah 's selfishness and his mother 's selfishness on full display, we see even more clearly the selfishness of the Levite on full display you You may recall from our readings earlier uh, in the Pentateuch and especially in Joshua that God had provided land for the Levites, not their own territory, but He had provided cities. And pasture lands is the word that the uh, text uses, I think Joshua 21, uh, to describe the land that God had apportioned to the Levites in each of the various uh, territories of the tribes of Israel. So the Levites, they've been given, they've they've been provided for, they've been given land in which they they can live, even though they don't have their own territory. There's no territory of Levi. They're, They're kind of scattered throughout Israel but they're provided for. Nevertheless, we read of this Levite here, verse seven, there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah. Interesting that we're hearing about Bethlehem again, especially during this time of year, of the family of Judah who was a Levite and he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. So this man is not, Content with the territory, the the cities, the pasture lands that the Lord has provided for him, and he's looking for something else. And verse nine, Micah says to him, "From where do you come, where do you come from?" And he said to him, "I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I may find a place." He wants something other than what he has been allotted. He wants a place, and we see what he's looking for more clearly as he gets the kind of place that he wants. Verse 10. And Micah says to him, stay with me and be to me a father and a priest. And I will give you 10 pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. So on top of your living, I'm going to give you these other things as well. And the Levite goes in, he, he went in, and he's content, verse 11, he's content to dwell with the man. And the young man becomes to to him, the the young Levite becomes to to Micah like one of his sons. And Micah ordains a Levite and he becomes to him a priest and is in the house of Micah. So what we've seen is that this Levite isn't satisfied with what God has provided him, and he goes into the man Micah's house and lives there and has his own kind of personal ministry, quote-unquote, to this man Micah. Now, not only is he selfish for not being content with the land that God gives him, but he's also abdicating his responsibilities as a Levite, as, as the actual priest in this passage, the one who is authorized by God as a Levite to be a priest. He's abdicating that responsibility in order to live in this man's house and to experience the comforts and the luxuries of being this man's personal priest. How does he do that? Well, the priests were to minister to the whole of, of Israel, uh, not to one particular man. But the text tells us in verse 11 that he becomes, the Levite becomes to Micah like one of his sons. So he is now under, in a sense, the authority, the headship of Micah, where Micah can just tell this Levite what to do how to bless him, how to function as a priest. This is a very selfish picture of what service looks like, because it's not really service to God. It's service to self. This Levite is sold, sold on the, the comfy, cozy life that he has in Micah's house. He's not a true minister of the Lord. And so what we see here is three different people doing what's right in their own eyes, and all of it is is greedy, all of it is uh, self-focused, but in particular, we see with this Levite that the tribe who should be mediating God's presence to God's people, which is what priests would do, uh, and in some ways, like prophets, they were to remind God's people of what right worship of the Lord is and ought to look like, this Levite Has sacrificed it all. He's given up on all of it in order to have the cushy life that he prefers. He's comfortable, content to dwell with Micah. And we're gonna get a little bit of information in chapter eighteen about this Levite, kind of at the tail end of the chapter there. That's gonna make things a little bit even, even a little more startling, uh, but we'll come to that. But for for today, what we see is what it looks like uh, to live without a true king over your life, without an authority, the, the right and true authority over your life, the Lord. Uh, and as a result, you, you don't see clearly. When you don't have the Lord as king in your life, when you don't have his ordained king, you don't see clearly. And it's perfect timing, really. Because Christmas is the story of the Lord providing a true king that brings light for his people so that they won't live in this kind of darkness. The light that the Lord's king, Jesus, brings shines into our hearts and exposes the recesses of our lives where we are compartmentalizing, like Micah, like the Levite, like Micah's mother, or we're keeping back a portion of ourselves from the Lord. We're, we're given 200 silver coins, but we're keeping 900 for ourselves. Or we're, we're manipulating circumstances and situations in order to appear like we love God, but in reality, we're living for our own comfort. Aren't, aren't we tempted to do that? It's such a gift of God to see that situation and to provide us what we really need, which is a king who will shine his light into our hearts and expose us for who we really are. So this Christmas season, if you have an experience where you are exposed before God, perhaps somebody says some word of correction to you or challenges you in a way, or maybe you just have something play out, a situation play out where you you see that you aren't really worshiping God in your heart, where you're not really living consistently for Him, thank God that He's shining His light into your life, onto your heart, and revealing what you're really like. Because we all are really like this Levite and, and Micah and his mother. We're all really like that on our own. It's not until God sends His King to shine His light into our life that we can actually live differently than these folks. That's our true hope. And at Christmas time, we have every reason to rejoice. That it's not just a hope that we're waiting for God to do this. It's a reality. God has sent his king. Jesus has come. And his light is shining now. So while the light is among us, while we have opportunity to believe in Jesus, let's believe in him. As his word is falling on our ears, let's go to him in prayer and ask that we would live in light of his light shining on our hearts from the page let's go to him father thank you that you've given us jesus thank you for this picture of what darkness looks like and thank you that we don't have to live in it thank you that you sent the king to be the savior of your people thank you that we can see we don't have to be like samson chose to be we don't have to be like these folks chose to be, Lord. We can see because of Jesus's light. We pray, Father, that you would provide opportunities for his light to shine on us and into our hearts, Lord. And that as we experience that bright light shining into our darkness, we wouldn't turn away. We wouldn't close our eyes because of the brightness of the light but that you would allow our eyes to remain open, that you would keep our eyes open and you would enable our eyes to adjust to that bright light so that we could live wholly devoted to you, Lord. Wholly to do do your work and and live in service of you entirely, Lord. Not like this Levite, not like Micah, not like Micah's mother, but in a way that pleases you. Please, for Jesus' glory, we pray all of this. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I hope you will have been blessed by how God has been so kind to give us a picture of darkness in Judges chapter 17, but also to send His beloved Son, Jesus, the light of the world. I pray that you'll have a blessed Christmas season, even though we'll be back tomorrow for a darker look and to see the, the light of Jesus shine even brighter in Judges 18. I look forward to it. God bless you.